0: with another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football and game source we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows and if you get a chance please check out last week's shows which included my guest right now and also rafael barlow of nba draft junkies where we talked about the situations going on Within our environment that's going on right now about social change, what is needed, and how we can do that. And we had some great conversations last week, so hopefully you get a chance to check that out. And this week, if you get a chance, we've had some great interviews as well, again with Raphael Barlow, who I hope to interview upcoming again. I've also got another one with Stone Hansen from draftsite.com, and also got one coming up with Michael Weisenberg from Perspective Insight, again on the playoff situation and all that. Plus, I also want to give a big shout-out to Raphael. He's been sending me a lot of footage, a lot of players. It helped me start up my own mock draft, which I did, and I posted on popculturecosmos.com and also an audio version on Lakers Fast Break as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and if you're missing out, you're truly missing out on some great content right here at the Lakers Fast Break podcast. But he's back again for his weekly stop in right here at the Lakers Fast Break. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as the guy behind the great site LakerHolics.net. Be part of the conversation today at LakerHolics.net. It is Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, we finally now have an official start date. We finally now have an official for the most part, kind of set up for the league. I'll start it off right, my friend. 22 teams going into uh, possibly an eight game. Well, actually, it will be going into an eight game, regular season-type scenario against the other uh, playoff, you know, against the other teams that are qualified there. And there's still other things that they have to work out as far as the accessibility by other players, coaches, how are they going to interact with each other, um, the whole Disney-wide World of Sports facility. I mean, there's still other logistical things that they have to work out, but thank goodness finally we have a destination to start the season once again.
1: Yeah, it's it's great to, to really have a date on the calendar that you can mark to watch NBA basketball again. I'm so tired of YouTube and, uh, and going back through highlights and rehashing all of the things in Lakers history that uh, I mean, I'm I'm eager to watch. Even even the, even the eight remaining games in a regular season should be fun. So uh, yeah, after all of this waiting and and the anticipation and uncertainty as to whether or not we, the Lakers would have an opportunity to go after that 17th NBA championship, it's it's just reassuring that we're going to get that opportunity. Barring any you know, calamity, disaster in Florida with the COVID-19 situation. And uh, there's no doubt that this is going to be uncharted territory as far as the playoffs go. We're so used to, up until the coronavirus pandemic, we're so used to the tradition in sports being sacri- sacrilegious that you, to think about making major changes in playoffs and things that affect us that... Affect the statistics of the seasons and and all of those various numbers that we've all learned that, that are all tied to that 82-game season and, and the regular playoffs and so forth, COVID-19 has just destroyed and disrupted that entire situation. So not only this playoffs, but the seasons to come are all going to be in a new normal. But, uh, man, I'm excited to get the opportunity to see the Lakers come back. I think LeBron and the team are going to be primed for getting back that momentum that they had right before everything went to hell and the season was suspended. But it's going to be scary. I mean, it's going, to be, it's going to be up in the air before every game when people get tested.
0: I'm just going to say this, my friend. I noticed there's been some chatter around in the podcast world and also seen a little bit on the Internet and, and all the comments on that anybody who dares to put an asterisk on whoever ends up being the world champion, I'm hoping it's the Lakers, obviously, but whoever ends up being the world champion, it could be the Indiana Pacers for all I know, but whoever ends up being the world champion, they should not have an asterisk. In fact, okay, they will not play in full 82 games, but they'll play around 72, 73, 74 games in that mix. But, They will, each and every one of those teams, they will have a harder time going through the playoffs because none of them, even Orlando, will not have any home games. You're not playing in front of crowds. You're not playing in front of that type of atmosphere that can get you really amped up and give you that extra little push, which seemingly a live crowd can do for you. In fact, this will probably be the most difficult playoff system that's ever been done by the NBA, in my opinion. I That's just my opinion. I, in fact, you will not be able to put an asterisk on whoever mm. ends up being the world champion. You actually should give them kind of an accommodation to win a championship under such difficult
1: circumstances. Yeah, I've made that same point, Gerald. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Should the Lakers win this championship – I would almost argue that there should be an asterisk beside it because it's even much harder for them to have done that. Well it will probably the be the Kobe greatest Bryant situation, losing yeah. their home court advantage and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see. There there are some things though that that are still to be determined, you know. For example, the Lakers the Lakers are short two games in their eight game schedule to finish the season. And the only other team in the West that's short two games in their eight game schedule are the Portland Trailblazers. So, you can almost see the writing on the wall that the NBA is going to resolve that problem of the Lakers and Trailblazers being short two games simply because all of the teams that they play the rest of the season are either out of the playoffs or have continued, have completed their eight game schedule. So, the Lakers are going to have a harder time because they're going to have to play the, the Trailblazers twice, I think, as well as the other six games on their schedule. And that means that they're going to have a tougher number eight finisher to go against, you know, in the first round of the playoffs. And they're not going to have that home court advantage. I've been lobbying that I love, I love the idea of being able to transport the Staples Center floor out to Orlando and, you know, and, and let us have, you know, home court advantage, at least by playing on the purple and gold court.
0: Did you hear that noise? Wait, did you hear that noise? That was my eyes rolling. <laughs> that was my eyes rolling. You could actually hear the sound of my eyes rolling. At the kind of expense the NBA would have to play, have to pay in order to go ahead and do that, or the parquet floor. I heard the parquet floor one from Boston. I'm, I'm just, just stop, just stop, just stop. They won't even do it from the Orlando arena, much less anywhere else in the United States. That's just,
1: just stop. Just, well, just I know they're it. still lobbying. They're still lobbying for some advantages for home court for teams that are higher seeded. You know, getting the ball at the start of the second, third, and fourth quarters or, or whatever. Whoop dee doo. <laughs> Whoop dee doo. Actually, I'm not worried because there's one team in the league that has the best road record of any NBA team at 26 and 6, and that's our Los Angeles Lakers. But they won't uh, get
0: the challenge of – or they won't get the advantage of having seven home games. Yeah, that's right, against the Clippers. Yes, Yes. but, you know, it's fine. It it,
1: doesn't matter. We're going to win it anyway.
0: Yeah, the best team will win, and we're thinking it's the Lakers. We're hoping it's the Lakers. But, yes, whoever wins it, let's say LeBron and AD both blow out a knee at the same point in time, you know, on the same play. And, they, and Caruso does a backflip into the stands, okay, and they don't win for some miraculous thing. And let's say, again, the Indiana Pacers win or some other team. They will deserve it. They will earn it because it is under such difficult circumstances. But if the Lakers do win, which they are favored, along with the Bucks in Las Vegas, which is now back open for business to an extent, it will be the greatest world championship of all time because of what the Lakers organization and the Lakers team has gone through and the Lakers fans for that matter have gone through for the entire season.
1: Yeah, I don't have a doubt. I I think there'll be an asterisk on it just because hell it's a, it's an unusual season. Somebody, you know, they're going to put, they got to do something to it. They're going to put an asterisk on it. Even if it's not there, everybody is going to presume it's there. But in my mind, that asterisk is because it's a harder situation, not because it was anything easier.
0: Uh, i tell you what, in the minds of a lot of people, it should be, the, whoever does it, the, the hardest way to get through because of what's everything that's been thrown up against it. And again, for the Lakers, it's been that and even more. But still, I'm thinking they're going to prosper. I think they're going to go ahead and, yep. and, and take it. I know a lot of Lakers fans are excited just to have that opportunity now to the point where they get back into shape, get back into a semblance of a training camp, uh, obviously transport themselves there. They're still trying to figure out and lock down all the things necessary as far as if somebody comes down with COVID. How are they going to deal with that as far as getting additional players, bringing in a free agent? Okay, yeah, you can bring in free agents, but they'll have to be quarantined for a period of time. So they're still trying to work out the logistics of everything. So I'm still kind of scratching my head at all the things that they still have to work out. But they still have, what, quite a few weeks in order to do this. So they've got six, seven weeks to, to figure and finalize all this out. I'm hoping that they do. Because, I'm, like, like you, I'm still very excited to see what's going on with the league. And speaking of this 22-team format, people are still crying out there. And at first I did, too. Why is Phoenix and Washington in this scenario? Why did they lengthen it out to, say, within six games that would include – or eight games, actually, that, would, that included Phoenix and Washington – well it's quite simple really because it comes down to money it comes down to paying the regional sports networks and it comes down to just adding those games in because though adding those games in, adding even those 16 games that those two teams would be playing is a considerable amount of money back that they don't have to pay the regional sports networks
1: i think it also is uh It's a move to try to participate as many teams as you can, and they have a chance to to experiment with the playoffs this year to see how it might be used in the future going forward. And I think that we're very likely going to see a similar situation next year where there's some sort of a play-in tournament. This year will be the experiment for it. The other side of it, too, is that you could already see just with with the 22 teams, if they'd only had 20 teams, for example they would have had a lot more than just four teams that couldn't fill out an eight game schedule for the rest of the year. Right now, we've got one, two, two, two teams in the West and two teams in the East, two teams in the West being the Lakers and the Portland trailblazers that, that only have six games on their schedule. And there's two teams in the East. I can't remember what they are, but they'll also have just one game, uh, one game short on their schedule. So if they were to play just 20 games, Twenty teams, you would you would have even a much more difficult problem because two more teams would drop off of the schedules of everybody, and it would mean that it would be more difficult in order to fill out this eight-game si- season. Um, and it's also odd that that they're going to go by percentages to determine who's the seeding for the one through eight in the situation, and or the ninth and tenth teams that play in the play-in tournament rather than the games behind the leader type of situation like it's always been done. So there's a lot of wild cards going on in here. And and I I do have to say that one thing that bothers me about this situation, and you've seen it in baseball before uh, and football, where the wild cards were introduced and and wild card teams went on to win championships. It just upsets the apple cart of certainty that that when you put all of these other factors in there, things can happen. Well, that's why games, we love the NCAA
0: could... tournament so much, is because you always have that Cinderella or wild card team that well, goes ahead of do that, well. They should have
1: they should have seeded a one to sixteen then at the end, you know. But at any rate, a chance to play, even if the even if the odds are a little against us versus what they might have been, uh, is is something that we just gotta be thankful that we've got an opportunity to do.
0: Could be worse, my friend. Could be worse. You could be baseball right now, and they can't agree on how many games that they're going to play. Yeah, there they went down now from 114 games. Now they're talking 76. Eh, you know, they just can't get it right. Or I mean,
1: football with uh, their apologies for their whole, you know, attitude toward uh, toward kneeling uh, during the anthem. Uh, the unanimity that you saw for the NBA players and the NBA owners—they really, again. Showcasing what a classy league that we've got uh, in that the players and the owners and everybody can agree upon a program almost unanimously, you know, and, and even, a, even a controversial program that, that turns the tables on, on all of the legacies and traditions of the sports and the playoffs in the past. Basketball can go out there and do this. Well, Major League Baseball and football or football, I don't even know when they're going to play still. You know, in baseball, like you said, they can't even decide. Basketball is is by far the most organized, and I think has the best optics and the best management of both the Players Association and the league, and the Commissioner, and, and Adam Silver. That's one of the reasons why we're going to see base. We're going to see basketball this year, and uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to be with the NBA 2K crowds, noise in the background, and. Don't um, pipe in it.
0: Don't no they're no. They're gonna no, pipe don't. it in.
1: They already said that. Uh, they made a con- It's a contract, man. You know they get a lot of publicity for NBA 2K. They're probably gonna get money for piping that noise in there. I haven't played NBA 2K, so I don't know what the crowd noise is like. It's just
0: um, you know, it's just it's a regular crowd noise. I mean that they taped yeah. you know and whatnot. But I'm sure
1: that they have control over elevating it during the right moments. Oh, and don't need, they don't need it's it. It's gonna happen, Gerald. No, you like I, it or I, not. They
0: just leave it silent. Hear the squeaks of the uh, the the sneakers and hear the smack talk from the they players. They tried that in an
1: experimental game and it was a real dud.
0: I'm telling you, it's more interesting. Well, they need NBA players out there. You, okay, you get Harden and Westbrook out there against LeBron and AD talking some smack. Yeah. Get Danny smack Green out there talking, talking some smack.
1: smack. Going to have the FCC downing on them. <laughs> uh,
0: you know what? That's why you got that seven second dump button. I'm sorry. That's why you got that seven second dump button. And you could, you could actually, again, I've told this before, but, yeah, but you I don't think actually... they
1: got a seven second dump button on the live games. Yeah, they do. Yeah.
0: Really?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's, that's has to be standard. Yeah, for all network television. Yeah. You've got a mm-hmm. dump button.
1: Well yeah. I know I've had problems in the past trying to sync like I used to try to sync later broadcasts with the mm-hmm. video game for the game on the television. Yeah. And they were always they were always off a little bit. You know, no, but. I'm
0: serious, yeah. There but there is always a dump button. There are always since there always is a delay between the time the image is sent out to the time you receive it. There is always by FCC standards, uh, you know, someone there with supposed to be there with a the dump button, especially on one of the big channels. And I'm telling you right now. the gamblers are
1: okay with that? <laughs> well, that? That seven seconds could prove to be a lot of yeah, money. But, but there's it's
0: just no way you can do it instantaneously. It doesn't go that fast. It just, yeah, I mean, it goes fast. It goes faster mm-hmm. than you and I could tell, but it just does not go that. The signal just does not go that fast. It does not go instantaneously. But I'm just saying when it comes to things like, uh, you know, the the smack talk and all that, have an extra channel on Link Pass. You know, pay X, ex, charge extra. People will pay extra for hearing to hear the, the, smack to talk. Hear
1: the smack talk. Yeah, yes. I would too. I would too. I'd like to see it uncensored. Yes. But I'm just <laughs> – The uh, before, only version of it.
0: Before we get off the NFL real quick, uh, you know, while they're still trying to figure out anything, my, my kudos to Shaq for reaching out to the Saints – in regards to the Drew Brees situation and the very uh, disappointing words that he initially said, and his uh, remorseful apology, but the division that it's created within the team, Shaq is uh, Shaq is interceded as far as with you know tweening out or at least trying to get a hold of the the Saints players who were really offended by it and rightly so, and he's trying to say don't div- and don't let the media divide. You guys like the media divided uh, Kobe and I, and and you know they've got a real good thing going in New Orleans. Got a team that can compete for a playoff run. So it's interesting to see how Shaq is uh, treating the situation, how he's interjecting, and and uh, give him props for that.
1: You know, let me give my take on this whole situation because I think, for one thing, um, obviously. I thought it was good that Drew Brees retracted his comments and understood the the way that saying all lives matter denigrates Black Lives Matter. And I think that basically what we're seeing right there in that little conversation between Brees and LeBron is at the heart of what's going to have to happen in this country with a lot of people. Because the reaction of the NFL was really to side with racism. The response in general that you get when you're looking at the situation. I mean, I have been so impressed with the crowds, the size and the behavior of the crowds, and the the way that this social crisis has evolved. I think it's going to lead to great things, hopefully a redefinition of of what police protection is, and a lot of very positive things that are going to happen as a result of it, both electorally and at the national level, and as well as the state and local level. So this is a bellwether moment in the history of this country, akin to what I saw in the 60s, except with even more diverse crowds out there really rebelling against some disgusting behavior that we've seen from the police and from parts of our government and so forth. So I I appreciate the fact that Drew Brees spoke up. The problem is that there still are a lot of people in the NFL who don't understand that whole issue. And there's a lot of people in this country that really don't understand the difference between all lives matter and black lives matter. And so I'm proud of the fact that LeBron and and the NBA players uh, have really taken the lead in making sure to to get people to understand this, and I think it's going to have a resonance that's a lasting, sustainable resonance that's going to change a lot of the attitude of a lot of people in this country. At least eliminate let's eliminate the institutional racism that's built in to a lot of our society, and you'll never you'll never eliminate racists entirely in the country, but at least we can make a big start right now. And I think a lot of people have gone out there and gotten in crowds and risked their lives because they felt that this was more important than remaining safe during coronavirus. So I think that this is something that is, I know we want to stay away from the politics of the whole situation, but uh, I couldn't be prouder of LeBron. The Lakers as a team, the way that they've responded to this social crisis. And I just hope that all of us will we'll take a step back and rethink the thing. I mean, if nothing happens other than people listening and opening their hearts, then this is going to be a monumental moment for America. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout,
0: but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where...
1: Promoted, and this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture
0: Cosmos Show and the PCC Multiverse every week on Apple Podcasts and over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, it is going to be something that we're going to have to talk more about in depth when it comes to how the league is structuring this out, the playing games, the what's up for the Lakers as far as their schedule. We'll break it down in detail on next week's show or whenever it gets officially announced. And that's something we need to focus on, on their matchups going forward. And there's so many variables that still need to be put in place that it's just something that is going to be talked about now for weeks on end because it is still that period of time when we're still in waiting mode on what's coming up in the near future for the Lakers and the rest of the NBA. But I'm excited, my friend. I'm excited indeed. And I'm just hopeful that it will come off as safe as possible under those given circumstances.
1: You look at the the stats in Florida for cases rising, and they've had four straight days of rising uh, infections of coronavirus. And it's probably going to be inevitable that that, I think one of the most controversial aspects of the entire plan that the NBA has to resume the season and and go into the playoffs is that, number one, they're going to create a bubble, but it's a voluntary bubble. And uh, it'll be up to the teams and the individuals how tightly they try to control players going in and out of the bubble and their family members and so forth. Uh, And then secondly... If a player tests positive, they're not going to isolate the rest of the team or the players. They're not going to, you know, they'll just test the other players every day. Basically, they're going to they're already contacted four or five different testing uh, companies that develop these tests and and will, will process the tests to make sure that they have adequate testing and that this testing doesn't take away from the needs of first responders or other more critical aspects than the entertainment industry. But they're basically not going to isolate people who have been in contact with somebody who's infected. So unlike what happened when Rudy Gobert first got tested positive and they basically shut down the league, they're pretty much decided now that, okay, we're going to go forward. Everybody gets tested. As long as you test negative, you can play. As If you test positive, you're not going to play until you test negative. So I think it's inevitable that We're going to see players test positive no matter what you do is because they're not going to, even if they kept them in a strict enforced bubble, you know, as if they were in prison, it's still probably impossible to prevent some people from getting infected. And if somebody gets infected, they're going to probably infect teammates. So we may see, we may see situations where teams go through one round of the playoffs or seven, six or seven days. Well, they're missing maybe one or two or three players on a team. Could be multiple players, and that's going to then open up a whole situation that is open the door for wild cards. Uh, whether it's two-way players or guys at the end of the bench, all of a sudden becoming starters and or key role players taking on starter roles and so forth. It's going to be a pretty wild west and east playoffs as far as unexpected situations, and there could be. Lots of surprise heroes coming through and and lots of disappointments. So it's going to be a very different playoffs than any other playoffs that we've ever seen before. In many ways, what we saw last year in the finals with two major players getting injured, we could very well see in almost every round of these playoffs. That's something that we've never seen before. And and it won't be the injuries. It could be just, you know, it could be just guys who, are out seven days or ten days, you know, and hope that their team can make it to the next round so that they can test negative and and get back into the lineup. But I think we're inevitably going to see that, and and there's still talk now. It's undetermined exactly whether they're going to expand the rosters um, because I think that that is something that probably needs to be done. You know, at least add the two-way players so that they can be part of the roster, and maybe you know, maybe even. Allow teams to add a couple of other players. There still are free agents out there, uh, even though they have to have played on a team or been on a roster or been in the G League or at least attended spring training in order to be qualified to be added at this point as a free agent and playing the playoffs. They have to have a backup plan for if there are multiple players on a team that go down um, because they're not going to shut down the playoffs. I think they pretty well determined that that's we're going forward from hell or high water. We're going forward. We're going to play this out. Somebody's going to win a championship. Hopefully they'll have all of their superstars and top players uh, available for every round of the playoffs. But some teams are going to fall just like the Warriors did last year with injuries that are going to prevent them from being competitive. And it's going to change who can win and who can lose in this playoffs. It's going to open the door for the asterisk seekers, you know, uh, but at the same time, it it comes down to uh, a great deal of it to to the diligence and the willpower of the players on each team to really take care of themselves and take care of their teammates and take care of their team's opportunity to compete for a championship. One guy just you know breaking curfew, so to speak, and going out to a couple of bars or meeting with some friends who haven't been careful could just derail his team's opportunity to win a championship so it's going to be something that is going to be fascinating you know you can almost see them televised the testing of the players before each game that's going to have some amazing implications on on the outcome of this championship I think somebody's somebody who is expected to be one of the top eight teams in the league is probably going to not make it because of coronavirus well let's
0: hope that's not the case as someone who recently had to take a covid test to make sure everything's okay because his wife is in the medical industry uh it's uh, a scary thing uh and to be doing it every day is uh it's not a joke so
1: does your wife get tested every day
0: uh no no this was just a one-time deal because someone in Somewhere her on her,
1: her, her team
0: yeah and it was within a 14-day period so she and I were tested and uh, you know it, it, it still even though it says negative you're worried about well it's a false negative or right, the false positive a positive there's a 30% chance of this and you know? it's like you know I I don't know if you don't know you know it just that that level of uncertainty is still there. And it's a shame because it's just we can't get this thing right a hundred percent. But yeah, at this point in time it's just you know, you, you gotta do what you gotta do and I still think I'm I'm glad that the NBA season coming, but I'm hopeful that the coronavirus will not adversely affect any of the team's outcomes. But you're right, the odds say that it won't ha- that won't happen.
1: Yeah, and it's I, you know the one good side of it is that when we first had players test positive there weren't a lot of players you know there was an expectation after gobert tested positive and and then you know that that you could see you could see the domino'es fall and that there would be a lot of players everybody was touched that ball and he's carried around and so forth um, or touched the microphone it looks like that surfaces aren't really one of the big things that are, so that basketball, you know, flying around the Dalloway, the basketball is probably not as bad as players exerting and and breathing hard on other players, you know, when they're out there on the court and so forth. But so maybe we won't have, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm over, maybe being too pessimistic about, you know, the concerns of, of teams losing multiple players. I think, a lot of it's got to come down to the discipline of the players and and how how serious they are about making sure that they stay safe during this thing and safe is not just getting sick it's the case of of you know killing your championship chances you know i mean I, I i would you know i can't believe lebron james or anthony davis aren't going to be extremely careful and if i was Deanie buff i'd probably have five guys uh, that I knew were tested negative surround those guys all the time. I would
0: have Giannis Antetokounmpo in a hazmat suit. I would have him in a hazmat suit wouldn't the be a entire bad idea. Time. Yeah. And when he goes in, back into the game, he unzips it, takes off the helmet and there he goes. When he goes back in, on the bench whoosh, right there. You know, that that's just me. Not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I know it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, you got to protect what you need to protect. But maybe playing with a mask yeah well not playing with a mask (laughs) i've tried doing some type of physical exertion already with masks on uh since this has started and yeah breathing is is a hard thing to do i am still doing it because i care about the safety of my family and i care about the safety of my of my family and uh, also protecting people out there who i might be asymptomatic to who i might get sick so you don't know Yep. So um, I'm, that's why I wear a mask when I'm outside. But going into it is there's still there a lot of things that have to be worked out about the, all the particulars when it comes to the NBA season. But, my friend, I know there's a lot of things going on when it comes to what the NBA still has to decide. And also how fans are getting prepared and getting ready to go ahead and deal with the situation with afternoon games on a Wednesday or uh, an early evening game on a Friday and things of that nature, because these games are going to be going pretty much, uh, you know, we can binge watch
1: them, Gerald. We can binge watch them.
0: Yeah. yeah, there, There will be those occasions where there's going to be five games, I should say. Right. And it's something that is going to be very interesting to see how the NBA is going to pack all those into a nice tidy season. But I wanted to go ahead before we head on out and get everyone up to date on what's going on now that the conversation is should be more lively at LakerHolics.net. I mean, a lot of people now are, are getting back interest as far as the league is concerned. So there should be some things of interest if they go to LakerHolics.net.
1: Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, obviously, the, the 22 game, uh, 22 team format for the playoffs and the Lakers' chances and stuff like that. I recently published an article on, on medium and Lakerholics.net about uh, uh, basically the Lakers' blueprint for winning, bringing home their 17th NBA championship. And I based it on, on a study that I did of, uh, of all of the stats from the March 6th and March 8th games against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Clippers. So I went through the stats and looked at all the various comparisons. You know, uh, was it rebounding? Was it assists? Was it scoring? Was it points? What were the what were the real difference makers that that you could pull out of those two games that the Lakers won comfortably by nine points and ten points? That you could pull out of those two games that really could be a blueprint for how they were going to win a championship. And four things really jumped out clearly as important things. The first was defense. The Lakers' defense was just terrific for those two games. They had a team defensive rating of 96.3. Their offense struggled a little bit. They were way below their season average for the offensive rating, but way improved on the defensive rating. So that old adage that that defense wins championships was just clearly demonstrated by the performance that the Lakers put on against the Clippers and against the Bucs in those two games. Aside from defense, the other things that jumped out that really made the stats were small ball. The Lakers played almost half of those two games 50% of the time on the floor with either Anthony Davis or Markeith Morris playing center. And while Morris and Davis, neither one of them, shot very well from three-point range, they opened up the drives to the basket and the lanes to the basket for LeBron and AD and other players to attack the basket over and over. So that that creation of spreading the defense and so forth and playing the small ball uh, was amazing. If you went back and looked at the five-player lineups that were successful for the Lakers in those two games, all of those lineups, the four of the five most successful lineups that the Lakers had against the Clippers and Bucks combined were lineups that were small ball lineups. McGee played fairly well and had good ratings. Dwight Howard didn't play a whole lot, was in foul trouble. But the Lakers have gone – the Lakers' plan right from the start of the season was basically to go with the traditional centers for most of the season and just play AD – let AD play power forward and then unleash him when they got to the playoffs. And I think that we're going to see an awful lot of that as we get into the playoffs. The next thing was – the third thing was basically – the ability of the Lakers to dominate the second halves. In both situations, they were tied with uh, Milwaukee at the end of the first half, and they actually trailed the Clippers by three points at halftime in the Clippers game. But the second half of those games, the Lakers dominated both defensively and offensively and basically won comfortably, not walking away from it, but by nine, hold a nine or 10 point lead most of the fourth quarter in both of those situations. So that's another point that really is something that that you get from a veteran team with playoffs players who have experience like LeBron does in how you get ahead in a game and how you hold on to that lead. And then the fourth step really was, uh, was the performance of the superstars. These games in the playoffs and the championships that you win in the NBA are all determined by superstars. And – LeBron and A.D. clearly outplayed Giannis and clearly outplayed Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard uh, in those games, especially in the second halves and in the fourth quarters. So you take a look at that blueprint is basically a combination of focus on defense, play more small ball, dominate the second halves of games, and win the superstar battle. And the Lakers did all four of those things, and that's why more than any other factor that you look at statistically. That's why they beat the Clippers and the Bucks comfortably in those two games. And why I believe that they're going to be the favorites to come through and win the championship, even though we've got an, an unknown and unpredictable playoff scheme that's never been tested before and no home court advantage. The Lakers will still prevail because of those, because of that blueprint that they have developed in the Clippers game and the Bucks games.
0: Well, again, you can be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net and you can go ahead and shout out your opinion and interact with a whole bunch of other Lakers fans, including Tom and even to myself on occasion. We go ahead and interject our opinions on there and you never know, you might see some good stuff as far as whatever the Lakers Fast Break latest episodes are. We got the transcripts there or at least the directions on where to go if you don't know or just... Happen to just forget sometimes, we post it there. Plus, also, you get to see articles again from medium.com on whatever Laker Tom is thinking in regards to what's going on with the Lakers. And of course, you might also see some stuff from me posted there every now and then, too. So that's lakerholics.net. Be part of the conversation today at lakerholics.net. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by once again. I just appreciate, as always, Any last thoughts on the way out?
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see what adjustments and what little additions and tweaks that the the NBA makes to this whole situation. We still don't know how they're going to resolve the eight-game schedules because there are four teams that just basically are not playing eight games and they want everybody to end up with the same number of games. And There's also the question about expanding the rosters and so forth. So there's there's still some tweaking to go on. I think uh, I know that the Lakers and the teams that had done well and had had won home court advantage for lots of rounds of the playoffs are still lobbying hard to to get some concessions as to what could be their advantages and the broadcasting. What do they are, get
0: the Gatorade first or something? I don't <laughs>
1: know. just that's, that's gonna who be hard to I have. mean, there's a, there's a whole list of six or seven things that they they talk about getting. You know. One player. One one suggestion was they could designate one player who wouldn't foul out unless they got seven fouls, or you'd get the ball at the second, third, and fourth quarter starts, or, or you could bring your own home court. I'd like to bring the home court as well as our own ball. All right, hold on, hold
0: on. Here comes the eye rolling sound again. Oh
1: boy. <laughs> well, you know, you, you got to understand one thing: how important historically home court advantage has been in the playoffs. i
0: understand but you also have to understand historically this has never happened as far as an nba yep. season concerned. and the nba asking the nba to ship over your home court is absolutely oh, absurd no, the
1: teams will pay for it themselves
0: yeah you know, you're serious okay you need to pay the players you need to pay pay the people that are out of work right now that work the arenas Pay them instead, instead of that wasting their, I mean, just the optics of the, the Lakers moving the Staples Center to there, it, it would be very, very bad, and I just, I don't even know why people are even discussing it, because just the optics are stupid, absolutely stupid, to not pay your employees that can't work because of what's going on, and instead ship a floor in the case of boston parquet floor is just absolutely asinine it's asinine
1: that's the best (laughs) way to say it i actually love i love the idea i mean then you pay for it my friend okay and we can hire all the people that are out of work to come in and lay down that floor
0: whip out that credit card my friend (laughs) whip out that credit card okay there you go all right I'm sure your wife's going to like when she sees the bill at the end of the month on that one, yes. (laughs) They're going to see, you know, grocery store, grocery store, restaurant, Staple Center move. You know, that's going to be like a large bill at the end right there.
1: They should do something to give us our home court advantage back. Oh, my gosh.
0: These are tough times, my friend. Unfortunately, it's not going to be a fair shake for everyone. But the best team will overcome all that. And I believe no matter what is thrown up against them, I think the Lakers will prevail, even if they don't get the Gatorade first or the ball at the beginning of each quarter or even their own beloved floor sent all the way to
1: Orlando. (laughs) We'll wait and see, Gerald. I think something will happen. They'll get some advantage. Maybe an extra timeout or something.
0: Okay. Again, (laughs) whoop-dee-doo. All right. Well, I appreciate, again, you taking the time to speak to me. It's always great talking to you, even when you are talking about some absurd stuff out there, some crazy, crazy things that, again, I know people out there on the internet are saying because this is the internet and social media. But I'll tell you what, it's just so awesome to look finally forward to some basketball being played at the end of July, and I'm looking forward to another drive for the Lakers. And we will, along the way, keep you up to date on what's going on with the league and also with the lakers right here at the lakers fast break podcast